I'm sitting in my room doing a podcast. And now I'm about to break these words like I'm in a real cast. Yeah, about to smash that ass B. Yeah, you ain't even gonna be able to see once I'm done hitting up that ass. Cause I'm slapping those cheeks, clapping those creaks. Gonna sneak back into that hole when I'm in those beats. Yeah, freak on me. Yeah, uh, freak a leak on me. Yeah, yeah, get a sneak on me. Kick on me. Feek on, seek on, leak on, eek on. I call that one Sonata Number 7. I'm feeling in a musical mood today. I don't know why I just subjected you to that awful, awful freestyle, but it, it came from somewhere authentic inside me. And I, I suspect, I always think in my head, like I have these thoughts in my head and sometimes they're freestyles and I think they're so good that if only I had the mic in front of me, it would be great. Like, just put me on stage. I have so many, so many rhymes streaming through my consciousness right now. And I just tried to do it to see what would come out. And it was absolutely atrocious. So that's, that's a good lesson in life. It's that there's a lot of, there's a lot of space for things to go wrong in between your ideas, in between the thoughts running through your mind and the actual product of the thing you're making, like the piece of art, like the song, like the podcast, like the whatever. And sometimes we forget about that. Sometimes we forget that ideas aren't equal to the real thing. And it's good to remind yourself of that. So that's what I'm going to start doing on a daily basis. When, I, when I'm feeling my ego creep up on me and I'm feeling like, holy shit, I'm that fucking God, son. I'm just going to let out a freestyle and, and just let the world know, let myself know that you need to put in the work. You can't just show up with your thoughts. You can show up with thoughts, but you can't show up with thoughts and be good. That's a shortcut, too. You could just encircle yourself with a lot of thoughts and people will be like, holy shit. Who's that guy? Who's that guy with the slick fur coat and the thoughts? And these just awful freestyles. Because the thoughts cover things up. They cover up your flaws. They cover up your perceived weaknesses. Just surrounding yourself with them. With the thoughts, with the drugs, with the drank. And it builds up your own ego until you open your mouth. And people find out who you're really about. Who you really are. And that's what this podcast is about. It's figuring out who I am, figuring out, you know, what's what's going on with me, what's going on in the world, what's going on with you guys. And today we have a story about a New York teacher pronoun lawsuit. We're not talking about the the amateur nouns. We're talking about the pronouns son. The pronouns. This is from the New York Post. New York teacher at the center of a pronoun lawsuit called class Little Sexist Children. That's the title of the article from New York Post. So let's get into it. A former student of a Long Island teacher accused of forcing a fifth grade girl to go by male pronouns 
has claimed that she once called his entire class sexist little children. A former student of a Long Island teacher accused of forcing a fifth grade girl to go by male pronouns has claimed she once called his entire class sexist little children because they were only playing with classmates of the same gender. The unnamed student allegedly, or the, excuse me, the unnamed student alleged during a contentious school board meeting Monday night that the teacher, Deborah Rosenquist, made the remark when he was in her fifth grade class at Terryville Road Elementary School in Port Jefferson Station. One time, I think there were boys in the class and girls in the class, and they were hanging out with each other, the student said, as he addressed the Kamsawag School District Board. She yelled at the whole class that we were all sexist little children. You're all sexist little children. Look at you just sitting, sitting next to each other with people in groups of boys and girls. You little sexists. You sexist motherfuckers. <laughs> Imagine that this teacher's just smoking a cigarette, just drinking whiskey and coffee out of her cup, just taking a drag of a marble, marble of red. You sexist motherfuckers. Stop. Stop only hanging out with your own gender, you sexist little whorebag shits. Get together. Come together, and you can be like me. Be like me, Deborah Rosenquist, your teacher. She just takes a dragon, looks off out the window, and thinks to herself, how good a job she's doing as a teacher. She's helping the youth of America become unsexist which is hilarious because for the first i don't know 10 years 11 years of i can only speak for boys obviously i can't speak for girls but you don't think of yourself as a sexual being that would be weird if you're you know a 10 year old in elementary school or you know even early middle school and and you're thinking of yourself as a sexual being and unless you're latino because i had some latino friends you know hispanic friends you know they had that you know hispanic fancy they got the they got that upper lip game probably around 9 years old they just they just came to school one day with a with a mustache and a fucking job <laughs> and i was like what the hell what the hell? This dude named Christian I went to school with, he comes in one day, he has a fucking mustache and a job, and I'm just like, dude, what happened? He's like, I've been fucking, dude. I'm a sexual being. I'm a sexual being. I've been, I've been sucking and fucking and working. I'm paying the bills, and I'm fucking drilling. And I was like, damn, Christian. I don't do that at all. And we were nine. But then a few years later... With the rest of my peers, you know, we started noticing girls, you know, this is around 12, 13 years old, that started getting some blood flow deep in the pantalones. And so I had something to talk with Christian about, you know? I was like, yo, dude, I, Christian, I, I made out with Aaliyah in the basement of this party I was at, you know, this was probably around ninth grade. I was like, 
yeah, man, I, I wanted to tell you that because we're friends and, you know, I pecked her on the cheek and she kissed me back and it was the first time I, I ever kissed someone on the lips and it, it was really magical. And Christian looked at me and he said, I just fucked my girlfriend in the ass for the first time. And I was like, yeah, we're the same, dude. Like, I'm, you know, pecking girls on the cheeks and you're pecking girls in the cheeks. Like, it's pretty much a prepositional difference. So, yeah, it's good that we're friends. But, and that that actually, that, that, that was an actual experience where I, I did have this friend that, you know, he was an early developer, and when I told him I made out with a girl for the first time, he told me he was having sex, and I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, I am not cool. But then, you know, everyone catches up. We all have, we all start to think of ourselves as sexual beings, and, you know, things catch up, and everyone gets on the same page. Um, mostly. There's some people that don't end up shooting up the, the schools that we're talking about, because they... Uh, are perpetually frustrated and have mental problems and have access to guns for some reason. But we're not going to talk about that today. We'll talk about this pronoun lawsuit. So this fifth grade teacher is calling her uh, fucking, uh, I believe it's fifth, yeah, fifth grade. So this is, what, nine years old, ten years old, calling children sexist. Children who don't even think of themselves in that way. They don't think of themselves, I'm a male sexual being, I'm a female. You're all just hanging out at that point. You're all, like I remember uh, like if you think back, there's no really divide. There's no, obviously there's no sexual tension as between fifth graders. It's just girls have cooties guys are idiots, you know, and you just kind of fall into groups together and you don't really think about it. And sometimes you hang out, sometimes you don't. You're kind of feeling each other out at that point. Like, you know, something's up, you know, there's some sort of energy there. It's obviously not sexual, but there's like, you're just kind of looking at each other from across the room, like girls are weird. And then girls are looking at the guys and being like, boys are weird. And then a few years later, you're doing the same thing at high school parties and you're looking across the room and you're going, damn, She's weird, but she makes my pants move. And she's looking back at you being like, he's weird. Four more drinks. Four more drinks. And I'll do it. So yeah, she yells at the whole class, you sexist little children. Just going around saying... A teacher telling a little girl, essentially, you're a boy now. Forcing a fifth grade girl to go by male pronouns. I love how people in this country are like, immigration is destroying America. Immigration is destroying America. When we have teachers like this born here, we need more immigrants we need to open up the floodgates and kick teachers like this out. We'll do an exchange. We'll do a Mexican exchange program. We'll send. Do you know what would happen? We'll, we'll gather up all of these fucking 
fat feminist blue haired teachers, which is what she looks like. I'm looking at a picture of her. You can see in the article in the New York Post, she's fat, you know, nothing wrong with that. She, you know, she gives off feminist vibes. She's wearing dad jeans and cargo a car a green camouflage cargo jacket and she has the tips of her hair dyed blue so you know she's a fat blue hair feminist nothing against fat hair blue feminist this this is what she looks like you know if you had a bucket and one bucket was labeled non fat blue haired feminist and another bucket was labeled fat blue hair feminist you tell me which bucket you put her in let me know but we need to start an exchange program with hardworking people from Mexico or from any country, really. And we need to start letting more of them in. And for everyone we let in, we have to kick someone out. I don't know why we don't do that. People are worried about overcrowding in America. Can we start just gathering all of these teachers up that are <laughs> sexualizing children? Just like a- any children, a- any... Anyone who's ever uttered the phrase sexist little children should immediately be deported. That should be our new deportation policy. Anyone. And then we bring in someone good. And we and we we send her down to fucking Mexico. We bring people up that are actually going to contribute to society and the, and this teacher can yell at Mexicans down there and I I would love for her to roll up to a cartel's compound and and she sees guys, you know, chopping up coke, putting marijuana in bags, getting things ready to ship across to America. And she walks into the cartel's compound and she's looking around and she sees only guys hanging out with guys. And then she sees girls hanging out with girls and she she walks in. She's like, look at you little sexist little cartelis, you sexist little, you sexist hombres. You sexist little motherfuckers. You madre putas. You pequeño sexistos. And right as she says that, a 50 caliber bullet just travels from one side of her skull in the front out of the back. (laughs) And one of the cartel members just takes her out. Just goodbye. Because that's what they do down there. It's rough. You know? Good people. But good people who will do anything to take away the people that are fucking things up for them. It's cartel rules, baby. Cartel rules. When you're in cartel territory, there is no social justice. There's just justice. And that's what this teacher would get. You're all sexist little children. You sexist monsters. This is how you create school shooters. Like, you're imagine you're a kid going to class every single day, and you're just listening to this annoying teacher just get in your face, spitting saliva's all over you, smoking a cigarette. She's drinking fucking burnt coffee. She's just yelling in your face every single fucking day, every single day. 180 school days a year, whatever the fuck it is. For years and years, too. You, 
you, she moves up with you every grade. She goes from fifth to sixth to seventh to eighth to ninth grade. You're sexist, all of you. You fucking transphobe sexist motherfuckers. And you're at home. And you're thinking, I need this to stop. And you look over in the corner and there's your dad's hunting rifle. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. Obviously it's not. But she's literally manufacturing future school shooters in her classroom. If one of these children came to school with a gun 10 years later, before they fired the first shot, a police officer's got to go up to him and say, hey, look, were you ever taught by Deborah Rosenquist? And the kid would start clenching up, be like, yeah, what the fuck do you know about Deborah Rosenquist? And the police officer will just be like, it's okay. It's okay. You're not a sexist little child anymore. You never were. That's on her. That's not you. And then the kid will put down the gun. Everything will be fine. No one will get hurt. And that's the best case scenario. But Deborah Rosenquist. Damn. I do not want to know how many, even just like, like, what do you do to a kid? Obviously, I'm joking with the school shooter thing. Um, Hopefully. I mean, you never know. But like, what do you do to a kid when you just call them something like a sexist little child and you just implant that idea into their brain and and you don't know, like, you don't even know what it means. Like, what the fuck does being sexist mean to a fifth grader? And we're teaching them, apparently, about sexism and transgenderism and um, sexuality, like, very early on, which seems like it, it can only be a bad thing. I'm all for learning about that stuff, but not from Deborah Rosenquist. <laughs> All right, today we're going to learn about transphobia, you motherfuckers, you sexist little fucking transphobes. Everyone, stand against the chalkboard and pull out your penises. And I'm not telling only the boys, because girls can have penises too. First lesson, stop looking at yourselves like sexual beings. You are the same. There are 79 genders, and you can be any single fucking one of them. I have to stop talking like that because it's destroying my voice. (laughs) Dude, when I was young, teachers just used to be unstable. And now teachers are woke unstable. We need to bring back just stable or sorry, just unstable teachers. Like there used to be unstable and now we have woke unstable. And the unstable at least was fun. Like at least I remember I had this English teacher back in middle school And we had to do these vocab assignments in our notebooks and write out the definitions of different words. And then we would get quizzed on them later that week. And I'll call him Mr. O. And he must have had a particularly, you know, bad hangover that morning because Mr. O was going through all of our notebooks. He was going up and down the rows and just checking 
you know, if we were doing the assignment, we had to open up to it and we get a little stamp. And he gets to this girl's uh, Heather, Heather's notebook. And Heather was a particularly big gal. You know, she she was probably like 5'8 in fifth grade. I think I might have been like 5'2. And she was also a girl. So she was she would tower, tower over the other girls. And Mr. Olivari, <laughs> Mr. O, <laughs> there you go. That's his name. Um, Mr. O got to her desk and she opened up to the page and nothing was there. And she did have a little bit of a deep voice, which is why I'm saying she's so big, because I want you to get a picture. I want, I want, and she might be a beautiful gal. She might be a beautiful gal today. I don't know. But this is everyone was awkward. I was a short, pudgy fat fucking blonde kid, you know, with a bowl cut. I had a blonde bowl cut and I was short and fat and Heather was tall as a girl. And Mr. O looked at the page with nothing there. And Heather said, I I forgot to do it. I'm I'm sorry. I didn't do it. And Mr. O said, (laughs) that's okay. That's okay. That's fine. And Heather goes, okay, I'm sorry, I'll do it tomorrow. And Mr. O takes two or three steps forward, like he's going to go on to the next desk in front of him, the next next person, and he stops. And he just waits there for about five seconds, and you could feel everyone in the class looking at him. Even kids that were in front of him turn around to look at Mr. Mr. O., and then he turns around, walks back to Heather, and he picks up the notebook like he's going to read it, like in a very calm manner, just flips through a page or two, and then out of nowhere, he just throws it across the room, and it flat, it smacks hard against the wall. Like, if you know, if you throw a notebook... You, the the hard, it was a hardcover notebook too. So he threw it and the way he threw it, the, the, the notebook aligned flat with the wall. So it didn't just bang against the wall and fall to the floor. It went smack, smack and kind of slid down from the wall. He almost threw it at the wall like a pizza. Like he fucking had it in his hand flat and threw it against the wall, smacked the wall, slid down. And he started yelling at Heather going on a tirade. In the middle of class, we're, this is seventh, sixth grade, I believe. So my, we're 11 years old. We're not old enough to be sexist yet. And this had nothing to do with, with sexism. This is before that time. This is probably like 2004 or something, 2000, 2003. And Mr. Olivari just starts going, Have you? Have your homework every day. I don't want to have to tell you to do the assignment. Do you even have an excuse? No, because you didn't effing do it. And I'm pretty sure he dropped an F-bomb or two in there. And he walked back to his seat. Mr. O walked back to the front of the classroom, took a seat, took a deep breath, and then he just went on with the lesson. He, he went on a tirade in the middle of the classroom Two girls start crying that weren't even the object of his anger. And he just went on and continued. Like nothing happened. 
and that is the old unstable. You used to have old, you know, like th- this is 90s, 2000s. You were just unstable as a teacher, and it was great. It was entertaining. Some people got hurt. Some people got hit occasionally. You got yelled at, but it was just unstable. There was no morality or social justice attached to it. Now, now it's not even fun anymore because you don't just have teachers going on a tirade against you. You have teachers going on a tirade against you and telling you why you're worthless to society because you don't subscribe to X ideology. And I'm not saying get rid of tirades, get rid of angry teachers, get rid of whatever. I understand being mad at kids. I'm, it's it's not an easy job. But keep the wokeness out of it. Just Just fucking yell at your kids. And that is that. Just yell. Just yell at them. Make it about colors. Make it about homework. Make it about socks. Make it about jeans. Make it about, you know, fucking how you hate their parents at PTA meetings and their dad's an alcoholic. Say all types of shit. But don't yell at kids for being sexist. That is just because it's just confusing for kids. They're like, what? Like kids understand anger. When it's at a, a normal thing, but when you start going like, Timmy, your your homework's your homework's late and you're transphobic. Timmy's like, what? <laughs> like, can wh- what does that even mean? Sarah, your science project is shit, and you're a complete sexist. Sarah, like, what? What is, I understand the first part, but what about the, Jaden, you've been late for class five fucking times this week, and you also said there were only two genders. What? Five times two genders? Aren't there two? No! Bring back regular unstable that is the flavor that is best for teachers this woke fucking you know vanilla chocolate swirl of wokeness and also unstable it's not a good look it's not a good look the article goes on to say that parents uh the parents of the nine-year-old girl are use are suing rosenquist and the Kamsawag School District over allegations that the teacher forced the child to go by male name and pronouns, which confused her so much that she had suicidal thoughts. During the board meeting, one speaker drew applause after he demanded that District Superintendent Jennifer Quinn step down when she couldn't confirm whether Rosenquist was still interacting with students amid the pending litigation. Quinn said she wasn't able to respond to questions about the specific staff members and repeatedly noted that throughout the meeting, even though there was a lawsuit, it didn't mean the accusations were accurate. I I love how guys, like there's some men out there that have their careers ended by one comment and that comment gets reported to HR. I I love how there are guys that exist that have their just entire livelihoods derailed by one comment. And then we have this woman who was literally bringing children to the brink of suicide and the school's like, let's see how this plays out. <laughs> let's see. Let's just see. Look, the kid hasn't killed herself yet. Let's see what happens. Give this, give this teacher a chance. 
just because she's yelling at kids that they're little sexist she-devils every single morning for the first hour and a half. Instead of saying the Pledge of Allegiance for five minutes, she yells at them and tells them to say, I'm a little sexist devil. I'm a little sexist devil. And in detention, she has children write that out across the chalkboard in really small letters until there's no room. Just because one student said she's definitely going to kill herself doesn't mean that this teacher has done anything wrong. (laughs) This will be the first school shooting where the kid brings a gun to school and only kills themselves. Like, this is how bad the teacher is. Like, just to make the point that the, the kid will bring the gun to school and say, Deborah Rosenquist, this is your fault. And everyone will get down under their desks like the bullets are about to spray across the room. And the kid will just put the gun in their mouth and end the suffering that this teacher has rained upon the classroom because she is a worthless pile of shit. Can we bring back teachers fucking students? Like, that used to be how teachers de-stressed. Like, teachers just used to, you know, they would form relationships with students, they would pick out the hot ones, and they would fuck them and then they would get good grades. It's a win-win situation. Can we stop? Like now, now that's been taken away, but we have teachers that are now just yelling in kids' faces, telling them that they're worthless human beings because they accidentally misgendered their friend or that girls only hang out with girls and boys only hang out with boys. And I, and I know this teacher teaches fifth grade students and obviously she wouldn't be fucking these students. She'd be going up to the high school and fucking those students and what would you rather have because you have to pick one or the other teachers are fucking the students or teachers are causing kids to commit suicide <laughs> we need to bring we need to bring it back who who is the loser if if you have a kid that is of age uh like 18 like they're senior in high school they're willing Maybe they've been held back a few times. Who is the loser in the situation where a student fucks the teacher? Especially when it's a guy student and girl teacher. You just made that kid the coolest person in the school. You just brought that kid to number one level of popularity by having sex with him after class. But now, we are at the level where Teachers are going on tirades, calling their kids little sexist devils every single day to the point of suicidal thoughts. So again, what would you rather have? Would you rather have regular unstable, where occasionally a teacher has sex with a student, or would you rather have woke unstable, where you're calling, causing kids to literally want to put a gun in their mouth? Seems like an easy choice. All right, let's get into... There's another topic. Apparently, heart attack deaths are up 30% in young people. So let's find out what this is about. Heart attack deaths are up 30% in young adults. 
Uh, heart attack deaths have become more common across all age groups since the start of the coronavirus pandemic. But a recent study found that young people are actually most at risk in this case. According to Cedars-Sinai Hospital, the number of heart attack deaths among 25 to 44-year-olds in the U.S. over the first two years of the pandemic was 30% higher than predicted. Dr. Celine Gounder is here on set with us uh, to talk more about it. She's editor-at-large for public health at Kaiser Health News, and she is also an infectious disease specialist and epidemiologist and a CBS News medical uh, contributor. Dr. Gounder, thank you for being here. Uh, what stood out to you in this study? I think the fact that you're seeing such a big increase specifically in the youngest age group, so the 25 to 44-year-olds, you saw this 30% increase in the risk of death from heart attack. And that really is quite striking. That's not a group, an age group, in which you normally see heart attacks, much less dying from a heart attack. So uh, the, the, to do uh, a study like this, you look at the years prior to the pandemic and the typical rate of heart attack death in that age group, and then you see it increase and you wonder what's the new variable. And so the pandemic is that new variable? That's right. So these uh, researchers looked at 10 years of data across the U.S., all the death certificates that get filed with the CDC, uh, that data. And so what they saw is prior to the pandemic, heart attack deaths were actually dropping. And then that trend reverses, and you see those deaths go up, especially among that youngest age group during the pandemic. And do we know why the why younger people might be more at risk? Or we don't know for sure. And in fact, these deaths. We don't know for sure. Do we know why that people who never really have heart attacks, people between the ages of twenty-five and forty-four, are dropping dead? Within the past two years. Uh, no, we don't really know why. We haven't really looked into it. It's weird. Has there, has there been anything? I'm just thinking, just spitballing. Has, has there been anything, you know, new that people have been, you know, essentially coerced into taking in order to participate in society? You know, something that was, uh, you know, encouraged on a mass level you know something you know that would have entered the the bloodstream would have gone through the heart could have you know been injected possibly like anything like that in the past two years that you know might be uh might be responsible for young people's hearts just spontaneously exploding ah you know it's tough to say we don't really know for sure it's like we don't know. We don't have the data. It's just like, like we don't, we can't say like anything that, <laughs> dude, it is amazing. Like the, the conversational gymnastics that happens in some of these mainstream media shows, because we like, it could be. Sure, COVID, long COVID, the effects of COVID are having an effect on people's hearts in the long term. Again, I'd like to remind you that the description of this podcast is that I am slinging, slinging unexpert opinions because I'm a dumb podcaster. So take everything I say with two tons of salt. I'm literally just going on idiotic rants. <laughs> but we know th it's already... Uh, scientific knowledge that I, I like how I say I, I'm just a dumb podcaster, ignore everything. And then I'm just like, well, the science says that um, <laughs> the science, 
the sign, like if you look at the science that I know, the science uh, seems to say rather that there are well accepted risks of taking the vaccine that have led to heart complications, myocarditis, and also there are things that lead um, to COVID, like from COVID, that there may be effects from the COVID virus that have to do with long COVID and people having heart problems and also the vaccine. So to be fair, I haven't heard what she says yet. She did say we don't know for sure, which is true. So let's see, you know, what she says. Probably not even capturing the fact that they might have had COVID. Um, they might be more at risk or... We don't know for sure. And in fact, these death certificates are probably not even capturing the fact that they might have had COVID. Uh, they're really just saying, did you die from a heart attack or not? Um, what we do know, however, is that younger people were less likely to protect themselves against COVID than older people, less likely to mask, less likely to take other mitigation measures. And they were also farther back in line to get vaccinated. So... They were farther back in line. That's why young adults are having heart attacks at a historically unprecedented rate. Is this a line problem? Is this a line problem that if if you're standing in line for a vaccine, you just the the amount of people in front of you are going to have a better outcome and if you're back of the line, it's like shit out of luck, your heart's going to explode. Can we just admit that the vaccine was overall a net positive and also it exploded some people's hearts? Like, let's, can we stop dancing around this black and white image where the vaccine was either entirely good or entirely bad? Because it's neither. It was, from what I can tell, Mostly good, overwhelmingly good. I would also like to remind my audience that I am vaccinated, but I'm not pro-vaccine. I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm just pro-making good decisions with good information. But you have this hard line that people want to constantly take where you can't say yeah the vaccine was great for society and it saved people's lives and also some people got hurt in the process because it was expedited it wasn't as researched as past vaccines and you know when you move fast and break shit you fuck things up sometimes and people get hurt and it's risky and for the majority the majority of people that took the vaccine at least now who knows five ten years from now but the majority seem to not have any adverse effects that's great that's a that's a good you know good sign but there are people you know aka young people who otherwise probably wouldn't have dropped dead on the sidewalk with a heart attack like there are not many 27-year-olds without any pre-existing conditions that are just grabbing the fucking left side of their chest and dropping to the pavement on the way to work. That is something that is seriously wrong and that needs to be looked at. And the only way you can look at it clearly is if you have an honest search perspective, a search approach where you say, okay... COVID seems to leave a damaging effect on some people's hearts, the COVID virus, and also 
So does the vaccine. We don't know which one it is. We don't have that data yet. But what this person seems to say on the news right away, literally, she goes, we don't know for sure. But then right after that, she goes, well, we're pretty sure it's because young people were further back in line and less likely to protect themselves from COVID, which she's basically saying, like, it's your fault for not wearing a mask, which doesn't make sense because the definitive mask study just came out and and there were medical experts from Stanford, from Johns Hopkins, uh, from Columbia that went in front of Congress basically reaming them out and saying the U.S. government is the number one perpetrator of misinformation during the pandemic. And one of those things was that masks actually do something, which this study proved that they don't. They don't. That You could go look that up, look up uh, Mass Study Congress. I believe it was Dr. Mike McCary. Uh, I might be getting that name wrong, but Mac- Dr. McCary from Johns Hopkins in front of Congress. But they basically went in front of the government and said, like, you guys have been bullshitting the whole time. You're walking this hard line telling people only positive. It's only positive. Vaccine, you can't get hurt. Uh, masks are 100% positive. Wear masks. Like, And we need to have nuanced conversations where we go, yes, the vaccine has been a positive thing and also there's risk to it. Can we just say that? Can we just say the vaccine was overall net positive and also some people got hurt? And I think the reason that we're not saying that is because one of the socio-political atmosphere where if you even say anything about the vaccine possibly causing an adverse effect, you're automatically labeled as some far-right extremist who's anti-vax when that is not the case. It's a question. Hey, is there some, you know, can has this vaccine harmed people? People seem to be self-reporting. some pretty wild shit right after the vaccine goes into their body. Could it possibly be linked? And also the money that Pfizer and Moderna and these other companies would have to pay out for vaccine injuries if they admitted that, yeah, we knew there were going to be some problems, but we rolled it out anyway. We knew there were going to be some adverse effects, and we rolled it out anyway. That's that's all people want. People, there's this confusing thing in, in, especially from politicians or people in media, where they think that people need a 100% answer. They need to be spoon-fed a certain take where someone gets on CNN or Fox News or MSNBC and they see someone talking and they say, yes, it's 100% safe. Yes, take the vaccine. Yes, do this. Yes, wear a mask. And people go, oh, oh, thank God. Thank God we're safe. Thank thank God this guy who's sponsored by Pfizer is telling me to wear a mask and take the Pfizer vaccine. Like this, People don't want a black and white either 100% or 0% answer. What makes people feel safe is honesty. If someone got on a corporate news network, on a mainstream news network, and was allowed to say, overall, the vaccine is pretty fucking amazing, and also, it's a risk, and it's there are people reporting adverse effects that are heart-related. That makes people feel good, because they know they're not crazy for thinking they're a risk, because you label people as crazy, and you push them away 
from any vaccine. The, 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 this whole like cornering people into an anti-vax, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You, you, you label people anti-vax for just asking a question or wanting more information. And then you turn that person into an anti-vaxxer because you pushed them against the fucking wall and said, take this vaccine, damn it. Stop asking questions. Let's go on. Let's move on. They were not protected with vaccination until later in the pandemic. Those might have been a factor here. So basically, I mean, you could have had perhaps a mild infection. And of course, this is all hypothetical. But then there might have been a, a lingering heart situation, heart disease. Right. So COVID causes inflammation um, of the blood vessels as well as other parts of the body and also blood clots. And what we think is that it COVID infection may have actually accelerated the process of developing heart disease, what we call coronary artery disease, and so therefore accelerated when somebody might have had a heart attack and died from a heart attack. Also, we can easily get that data. If you're, if people are dropping dead from heart attacks, young adults, you know, even I've seen even as young as teenagers getting fucking like stud high performing athletes dropping dead with no pre-existing conditions, we have that data. We can see how many people got vaccinated versus how many people got COVID and how many people had COVID that were vaccinated and look at these death certificates and go back in time and see when they got the vaccine or when they got COVID, if they got COVID, if they got vaccinated. So it's not like, it, it, it's not like we can't get it and say, okay, 80% of people who are dropping dead of heart attacks between the ages of 18 and 44, abnormally, you know, an increase of 30%, 80% of these people had the vaccine, just hypothetically. Or maybe they didn't. But we have the data, so I don't know why we're playing this game where it's like we don't know where the heart attacks are coming from. Or even worse, the game where you're like, we don't know, but we're sure it's COVID. It's definitely not the vaccine. The vaccine cannot do this. We can look at that data. You know, but COVID also changes uh, how much you can get out to an exercise class, how often you see friends, maybe your level or of activity overall, your stress, yeah. when you see your doctor. I mean, doctor. Are there... Oh, that makes sense. Oh, that's why. That's why 18-year-olds are dropping dead in the middle of history class because they weren't doing bicep curls. They couldn't get into Gold's Gym. That makes so much sense. Oh, my God. Like, think about it, guys. Like, do you remember when you were 18, you know, even 22, 23, 24? Do you remember, like, those days when you wouldn't go to the gym and then you felt your heart exploding in your chest. Like that is why. That is why it's happening. It's because 18-year-olds aren't going to the gym. That's why their pulmonary arteries are just blasting out of the middle of their chest. Thank you for clarifying that. Are they ruling out or accounting for these other lifestyle changes? We don't know. So you can't really assess that just from looking at death certificates. Again, all we can say is how old were they? Did they die from a heart attack? Um, but, you know, some of uh, the factors. You're Dude, that is not all you can say, because people were being labeled as COVID deaths during the pandemic 
that weren't COVID deaths. They just happened to die with COVID. The death wasn't caused by COVID. So there are, I don't know why she's saying that's all you can say with the death certificate is the, you know, the death and then whether or not um, they had COVID or let me go back. She says, death certificates again all we can say is how old were they did they die from a heart attack how old are they they can die from a heart attack you can easily figure out if they had covid or if they were vaccinated and also the thing that doesn't make sense you can't blame it on one or the other i don't have a single friend that was vaccinated that didn't get covid i got covid and i was vaccinated all of my friends got covid at some point they were all vaccinated for the most part you guys know who you are. Stay strong. But you can't like you can't even play this game like it's it's covid it's the covid virus and it's definitely not the vaccine because there's so much fucking crossover. The percentage of people that got vaccinated and also got covid is through the fucking roof. So you can, it's not like you can just isolate it. I feel like the next booster shot could make people's heads explode on injection. And the corporate media would be like, you should have gotten boosted sooner. Your head wouldn't your head wouldn't have exploded if you didn't dilly dally on the booster. You know? First young people are having heart attacks because they're they're waiting to get vaccinated and now people are waiting even longer. Because you didn't get your 17th booster, your head's fucking exploding. You should have gotten it sooner. Look. Look, your head exploded, and it was because you waited. That is the reason why. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. You can't look at me, because you have no eyes. Your head is exploded. So yeah, I don't know what's going on with the the heart attack deaths. Um, people much smarter than me are working on that answer. And who knows? Maybe it's effects of long COVID. Maybe it's effects from the vaccine. Maybe it's a combination of both. Uh, I sure hope not because I have had both. But let's at least figure it the fuck out and not just immediately say, oh yeah, I don't know, but it's definitely not the vaccine. Like, let's actually be, you know, ha- if, if you call yourself a scientist, have a scientific approach. Be someone who's considering all options. And I know that because I am a scientist. <laughs> so Chris Rock responded to Will Smith's slap. And it was glorious. I'm going to play you guys an excerpt from the slap. And if you want to see the whole thing, you can check out Chris Rock's Netflix special called Selective Outrage. I'm going to play a two-minute clip from it, and then we're going to talk about it. Boom. Here we go. Hopefully, this clip is still up. It didn't get taken down. Yep, it's up. So this is Chris Rock talking about Will Smith on stage. This whole thing is about 10, 15 minutes. This whole excerpt of Will Smith. The entire special is about an hour. And this whole Will Smith part is is great. So he, here's a two-minute clip of it. And then his wife was fucking her son's friend, okay? Now, 
this shit. But for some reason, these niggas put that shit on the internet. I have no idea why two talented people would do something that fucking low down. What the fuck? And we all been cheated on. Everybody in here have been cheated on. None of us have ever been interviewed by the person that cheated on us on television. None of us. It's like, hey, I was sucking somebody else's dick. How did that make you feel? <laughs> Why the fuck would you do that shit? She hurt him way more than he hurt me, okay? Okay? And by the way, he does that shit. Everybody in the world called him a bitch. I tried to call the motherfucker and give him my condolences. He ain't pick up for me. Everybody called that man a bitch. Fucking Charlemagne called him a bitch. And the Breakfast Club called him a bitch. And the View and the Talk and every rapper and, and fucking the Drink Champs called him a fucking bitch. Everybody called him a bitch. They called his wife a predator. Everybody called him a bitch. <laughs> Dude, it was fucking great, man. I loved it because Chris Rock spit in the face of this instant reaction culture that we have. And I feel a lot of this need to react instantly in the moment to everything that I not everything but a lot of things especially with podcasting or putting out clips or thinking of things to talk about on the podcast I feel this need to take in everything that's pop culturally relevant and then react to it just as soon as I can like get it out get it out content content get it out and Chris Rock you know and look, he's filthy fucking rich too. So I'm sure that helps with the the sensation of having to react because you look at your piles of money, you pull up your Chase account, and you're like, I could, I could take some time. I don't, I don't need to come out tomorrow. I have, I have eight zeros in my fucking second saving account. So Chris Rock was good, but he. The, the slap happened, and then I'm sure the day after the Oscars in 2022, everyone reached out to him, TMZ, fucking Vulture, New York Times, and said, please let us be the place where you give your first reaction. We'll give you piles and piles of cash, which he doesn't need. And Chris Rock just said, fuck it. I'm not even going to talk about this for a while. And it, it, he didn't, at least not publicly. I'm, I'm obviously he spoke about it with his close friends, and he eventually started to speak about it on stage. But he just he took the route that is that is not often taken in today's society, which is don't just instantly react to something and have your take be clouded in emotion and have it be tainted by being close to the incident because if you're if you're like it's like 
when you're putting something under a microscope and you're zoomed all the way in, you can't get a full perspective of it. You're, you, you can't see the whole thing. And then when you spend some time away from it, when you sit back and you look at something, and you go, oh, shit, like, I never really thought about it like that. And 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 even though Chris Rock seemed emotional on stage, because that's how he is, that's part of his act, if he went on stage a day or a month after that happened and started to talk about it or tried to record something about it, I'm sure... I am sure that it would not have been as good as it was in this special. I'm positive of that. And I had a really cool buildup to this this special, especially the part where he spoke about Will Smith, because I was fortunate enough to to actually uh, see Chris Rock live at the Jones Beach Amphitheater back in the summer of 2022. So about four months after the Oscars. And he was so fucking good. He made Kevin Hart seem pedestrian. That's how fucking good Chris Rock's set was. It was a Chris Rock and Kevin Hart joint show. Chris Rock went on first. Kevin Hart went on after. And I love Kevin Hart. And that that is just a testament to how good Chris Rock is. I fucking love Kevin Hart. And Chris Rock went on stage and fucking annihilated, dude. Annihilated. And Kevin Hart still did good, but he didn't do Chris Rock good. You could tell he had some energy about it. He had something. He had this thing building up inside him for months and months. And he punched the audience in the fucking face with it. And he didn't even talk about Will Smith that night on stage. And I was surprised. I thought he would, it, it was four or five months that went by. I would think he would start to talk about it on stage, but he didn't. And it was still a great show. And then I spoke to Derek Gaines on the podcast back in December of 2022. So a few months ago. And Derek Gaines is a very funny New York comedian. Has a, he has a podcast called No Need for Apologies, which is hilarious. And Derek Gaines told me on the Oxoro podcast on my show that he was at the Comedy Cellar and Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle went on stage together and they started to talk about the Will Smith slap. And I don't know if this was the first time or he had been doing it for a while, but he said it was this magical moment. And Derek Gaines mentioned a lot of the same things that Chris Rock said in this act, in in the recording, in Selective Outrage. So I don't know the exact timeline of things, but if he... Let's say he started talking about it in October, November. Derek saw him at the Comedy Cellar in December. He waited, what, fucking eight months to talk about that shit publicly? And not even publicly because his sets aren't being recorded, but just to like start to work it out for material. He just absolutely spit in the face of this you know, instant, I need to have a take. I, you know, what's my take? What's my take? Like Will Smith fucking what's my take vaccine what's my take which is hilarious because i just spoke about the vaccine but like everything like you don't need to react to everything and i'm saying that as much to myself as i'm i'm saying it to whoever's listening chris rock actually dropped the mic at the end of the set at the end of his set in selective outrage he literally said what he had to say and he like more than drop he threw the mic down on the stage and i was thinking how funny would it be if at the end of his will smith bit which is the last 
part of the show. Chris Rock has the mic in his hand and he's just looking out at the audience. He's scanning the audience and he just goes, he goes, oh yeah. And I fucked Jada too. I fucked that bitch. I fucked that ball bitch, yo. I looked at my reflection in the top of her head while she was sucking my dick. And just, everyone just goes, oh, oh my God. (laughs) That is why I'm not a comedian and I never will be because that is a terrible idea. (laughs) Oh yeah, you know that whole set that was well thought out and, you know, I worked on it for a year straight. I fucked that bitch. Yeah. Just end on that note. (laughs) The interesting thing will be, you know, how does Will Smith react to this? And I don't even know if I do react to this if I'm Will Smith. Because you, that is a fight. That is the full spectrum of a fight. You get hit, That the, the guy who you hit hits you, boom. One for one. Will Smith slapped Chris Rock in, on a stage in front of millions of people. Chris Rock verbally slapped Will Smith on a stage in front of millions of people. It's fucking done. It is what it is. The one thing I don't know, uh, or rather the one thing that I do think will happen is that Jada will run her mouth on this and say something dumb on her Red Table Talk show or whatever and then drag Will Smith into it like she did the last time and force him to not force him to comment because he's a grown man, but just kind of coerce him into saying something on the incident. If I'm Will Smith, you know, Chris Rock just annihilates you on stage in front of millions of people on Netflix. The only comeback you have now is to go trans. Will Smith has to go full trans right now. That is your only way out of this. You have to go full Caitlyn Smith. You have to go. You have to go full. He can't even choose the name Willow because that's his daughter. He what's a? He has to go full Wanda Smith in front of these bitches. He is at an all-time low in terms of his reputation right now, and and Chris Rock is just fucking beat that shit into the ground. Will Smith has to come out tomorrow and go. I am a woman. I am a woman and I have tits and I'm making the fourth bad boys. That's right. There's there's another bad boys coming out. People didn't know that. It's actually called bad girls. And Martin Lawrence is also trans. He goes by Martina Lawrence in this movie. It's Wanda Smith and Martina Lawrence. And we are going to go around fighting crime, shooting our guns. Yes, bitch. Yes, bitch. It's trans will. Here we go. This is it. And that puts you back on top in Hollywood. If you are ever like that is the move. (laughs) That is the if you're ever just your career's stalled, your reputation's gone through the mud in Hollywood, you gotta fucking just do a magic trick with your sexuality. Abracadabra, boom, I have tits. That's the only way Will Smith 
has out of this. That's, that's the only thing I see. Boom, abracadabra, got a pussy now, motherfucker. Who knows what'll happen? Who knows? I don't want to take away from the special, um, you know, even if it didn't have the Will Smith part in it, I saw him work out a lot of that material at Jones Beach Theater. It was fucking amazing. It was even better five months later. Hats off to Chris Rock, an unbelievable legendary comedian. It was a pleasure to watch that performance. Unbelievable. And I hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast. Uh, I literally wore out my voice for you guys doing shit, saying shit in the beginning of the podcast. And I, I thank you for listening. You know, it, it doesn't always feel great recording these episodes. There's some days that I don't really feel like recording. There's some days where I'm just like, I, I don't feel... Like I'm going to have a good take or I don't feel particularly funny or I don't feel, you know, I don't feel like I'm worth putting out an episode today because it's going to be shit. And the reason that I do is because I enjoy it and I know people are listening to it. So thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode. I love you guys. You know, if you want if you want more episodes, there's auxoro.supercast.com. Sign up for Auxoro Premium for five bucks a month. Four if you sign up for the year. Put out bonus episodes on that that get even more crazy. And if you can't do that, I completely understand. You could also just rate the show on Spotify, give us five stars, give us five stars on Apple. It really helps us get ranked higher in searches. And again, thank you for just listening to the show. If if you do nothing else, that is enough more than enough is spending you know if you're listening right now you've spent over an hour listening to me rant on a fucking podcast in panama city just looking out the window thinking about life thinking about pop culture thinking about you know thinking about health think like whatever different topics every week i appreciate you guys thank you for tuning in i love you and i'll talk to you next time